0: your tambourine. What? The tambourine. Yeah you don't have that today do you? It's in the bag I heard it right. <laughs>
1: It's <laughs> a good
2: thing.
3: Hallelujah. so oh. Thank you, well, today my text comes from Ezekiel 36, 9, and... <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not going to be flipping all around through the Bible like I normally do. Because <laughs> when I when I read this, it was at a time I wasn't even expecting uh, the Lord to give me anything. And he froze me on this. And uh, I'm glad that he did because what he gave me as I studied it out and prayed about it and, and uh, so on and so forth. It was really, really heavy, I think. Ezekiel. Yeah, Ezekiel thirty six nine. Did you find it, Nathan? Yeah. All right. All right, it says, For behold, I am for you, and I will turn unto you, and ye shall be tilled sown. The area of Jerusalem had become what they called then a waste place. The enemy, otherwise known as a residue of the heathen, had decided to call these high places their possession in Jerusalem. And it was Ijumia, I'm hoping I pronounced that right. You Go back and read Ezekiel 36 and you can get the context I'm talking about here, but Idumea was the the specific named enemy that made Jerusalem and Israel a prey or a victim to those that came against it, everybody that came against it. And it's important to remember when you read this that Idumea is just another name for Edom and the Edomites that inhabited the land of Edom. And that's important because Edom is another name for Esau, Jacob's brother was Isaac's other son, you know, the one that sold his birthright for a warm supper. That's Edom. Jacob and Esau were in such conflict for so long that the Edomites fought against any Israeli that entered their country. Any one of them. They would fight against them. And that's just the way the enemy fights against us. And it's why we're in this world, but not of it. And when Jesus was praying for us in John chapter 17, he said that we're not in this world the same way that he was not in this world or not of this world, but that he had sent us into the world the same way that God had sent him into the world, that that means we were sent with a purpose and with favor against anybody that comes against God's property even into a waste place. But still, that doesn't change the fact that our heart, by fleshly nature, is a wasteland all by itself. The Bible says it's, what does it say? It's deceitful Deceitful above above all things. And it produces no fruit by itself that's useful to God. When our heart and, and life are like a wasteland, there's a couple of ways that can go. On one hand, we might live respectively enough. We will live solely for ourselves and our family because really our family is an extension of ourself. Our immediate family is. And but when we live that way, as our heart being a wasteland, there's no reach for God, really. A barren heart and a life might even lead us to compulsory worship where we'll go and we'll do the things like they say. But there's even a selfishness about that. In a barren wasteland of the heart, it's all about self. There's a mighty separation between us and God when the land of our heart is wasted, when it's dead, when it's unused. And even if we go through the motions, the heart itself keeps the motions from yielding any usable fruit, any kind of harvest. And on the other hand, there's those people that just throw up their hands and and just against God and his nature and all the holy things and these are the ones that we see in dire straits these are the ones that that are in places that nobody would go into to attempt a rescue these are the people that they have tried and failed and and then they came around a different way and they tried and they failed again and And it goes on and on with this trying and failing, trying and failing because of the barren heart that can't produce anything all by itself. And they may even have tried to pray, but even that shriveled up in the sunshine of the desert place that they're in. And they may have heard a kind word, they might have heard a sermon, but like the seed that's sown in the parable of the sowers in the New Testament is sown among thorns and thistles, it... They grow up and choke out that word, even if they hear it, and it dies. And after a while and a few of those dead ends, people just give up and give in. But there's a funny thing about even ground that is completely fallow or left unused for practical purposes, we'll say. Even though it's unworked and even though there's no tilling and there's no working and there's no sowing or fertilizing or anything like that, things will start to happen. It's, it's not often that you can completely forsake a field and, and it will be completely barren unless it's like out in the desert where nothing, you know, can grow because it's just too hot. But these fallow lands might not produce corn or tomatoes or potatoes or okra or whatever it is we love, but they will produce every kind of weed and some of them are poisonous. Some of them will even be poisonous. But a hardened heart against God evil thoughts, idle words, blasphemy, those are the kind of, kinds of weeds we see in ground that's fallow and, and unused for, for crops or for good things. But eventually, those weed seeds produce their own fruit. We'll call it fruit. It's, it's whatever it produces, their mature, mature piece. And that can turn into actions because the weed fruit will go on to produce other weeds, but a an, a heart that's wasted and barren will go on, and it will manifest in a million ways, and but you can be sure it will turn into something. It's just not usually a good something. But if that was the worst of it, you know that would be one thing. But it's not. An overgrown field that is unkept, that's grown up with weeds, poison ivy, poison sumac, almost always infringes. <laughs> On a neighboring garden that will either either it grows over and takes root on that other person's land or the seeds will by means of the wind find their way over there and um, even the next field past the neighbor's field might get some of those seeds or some of that bad stuff so at that point the farmer over there that's trying their best to tend their garden till it fertilize it sow it raise something good on it they will wind up seeing those thorns and thistles in their stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with somebody that's in the midst of the effect of sin. If they have children, they'll grow up with those same seeds, whatever they might be. Um, The worst of it, though, will be a lack of fear and reverence for God. Even if an effort is made in the house of God is, is my experience. Um the children will see faster than a grown-up will that there's not an overflow from the church house to home and and the daily life. And there might that they might not read it exactly that way, but they will see that there is a clear line between this is what we do in church and this is what we do at home. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of the biggest weeds of faith today is when people go to church you know whether it's two or three times a week or five or however many depending on which place you go to which organization you're under a lot of people get tied up in that well i have to wear this to church and do this and say that and but then when i get home or when i get out then that's a different thing so um that when it gets to that place The ones that are closest to the garden will see whether it's fertile or fallow and when a field or garden is unworked anything that comes to it is wasted for instance if the sun shines on it normally it would cause a crop to grow photosynthesis science whatever it is it produces a harvest on good land but on wasteland it just cracks and dries and it doesn't come to anything good the same thing with dew and rain on good land, it will produce something. It will nourish whatever's growing there. But on a wasteland, um, there's no there's no goodness that comes from it because it's not been worked, tilled, sown, mm. all that. So the blessing of the harvest with the fertile ground leads to excitement and thanksgiving mm. towards God for the outcome. But with a wasteland, you can't you don't have that excitement. The thanksgiving's not there. Mm. But the good news is that even the most wasted soil is full of hope. It's full of future goodness when God comes into the picture. Mm -hmm. Our scripture says, I am for you, and I will turn unto you. And in context, he's speaking to Israel. When you read that, you'll see that he's talking to Israel there. But we can see the same principles at play when we look at the life that's a barren land and And start to look at the principles that you see in this in this verse and other ones like it, because in essence, until Jesus comes into the picture, we are a waste there's There's nothing good that can come out of this flesh, it can't come out of mine. that's why I fall in front of him daily, but we can't do anything of ourselves, but we know that no one can even come to God unless the Spirit draws them. the word says. And even Jesus said in John 5, 40, and ye will not come to me that you might have life. He knew when he was talking to the flesh, you can't even come to me unless somewhere else in the Bible, it says, unless the spirit draws you, because he knew that without supernatural involvement, our hearts won't allow us to do it. The enemy will make sure of that. And our dirty lives and barren hearts make us feel entirely unable to approach God. So it's all part of the enemy's plan to keep that land fallow, dry, wasted. But when grace and mercy that comes from Jesus comes in, that he has towards us, it can change everything. You can be sure he is for us. He's not willing that any should perish. That's word. And you can be sure he will turn to us. Because he's not willing that any should perish. Any. And we need to remember that when we pray for our kids, when we pray for our neighbors, he is not willing that any should perish. That means at some point, he's going to come. He's going to draw them. And that's where our pray, we can pray with such confidence that the ground is getting ready to be worked. But the fallow and unprofitable ground must be sown and tilled you see it in that verse that we just read the ground for the ground to go through that it's a a really a really big experience just like it is for our heart the soil is torn up over and over again mm. the stumps are removed the weeds are killed the rocks are picked out the weed root systems have to be taken out or taken away somehow or another because until these things happen it makes no sense whatsoever to attempt to plant a good seed i know i tried it (laughs) just try to plant a carrot in clay dare you it's not going to do anything so even jesus talks about planting and how a seed that falls among thorns and rocks isn't going to produce anything it won't even germinate for that matter especially if it falls on rocks and again going back to that parable of the seed and the sower um, and that's just like the broken fields. Psalm 5117 says, A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. So he doesn't even look at the the wasteland of our heart and despise it. We think he does when we're in that place, but he doesn't. Sometimes the weeds have to be killed by plowing in one direction and then coming back and plowing in another direction. That's called cross-plowing because some weeds I don't even want to talk about kudzu. I don't even know if you can kill that by cross plowing. But uh, that way, any weeds that are left, if we're going in one direction, will get cut up when we come in the other direction. And so it helps chop it all up and just make it part of the compost of of the dirt. So that helps make sure it dies and doesn't pop back up. And in the same way, every weed in us has to be shredded and killed So that it doesn't pop back up and choke out the seed that God has planned to be planted in us. And when we find ourselves in the process of being tilled and plowed or weeded, it can be painful. Things that we had once been dependent on get uprooted and killed and demolished. And some ground is especially hard. So when the plow comes back again and again and again and again to crush it and soften it, we don't see the end result when we're going through that. But it's in those times that we might feel especially separated from God when we're going through those those times. Mm-hmm. We might feel like when that process comes through that we're forgotten or forsaken or that there's a separation. We expect a separation between sin and a righteous God. But when it happens, that gets real, is is, yeah. what, is what it is, really. But you know what? It turns out that plowing and tilling is when the husbandman is closest to the ground. He's <clears throat> closest to it when he's tilling it, when he's working it. And when he's most likely to get his hands dirty with the effort of putting something in to a future end, he puts work into the wasteland of us, whatever it may be, whatever point we are in (laughs) our life, he's right there with his hands in the dirt, just like he was when he formed Adam. In Genesis, he spoke everything into being, the trees, the animals, all of it, the lights. He spoke all of it to be, but when he made Adam, he got his hands dirty and he formed it with his hands. And that's just the way it is when we look at this scripture about being tilled and plowed. Because mm-hmm. that's what he when he put us, us as in humanity. When he put Adam and Eve out of the garden, it was to till and sow the land. So he even already had that concept from the beginning of the time. But um, another thing is that before a farmer can even attempt to turn a field over, he has to see the worth in it and when he who is on the outside of space and time sees the beginning from the end he sees that we're worthy to receive the seed that he has to plant in us even in our fallow state, wasted state there's poison ivy and kudzu and poison sumac and there's a nest of hornets over there in that corner but man, when I get that cleaned up and tilled and sown it's going to be great Mm-hmm. And he sees that once it is tilled and softened, that our soil will yield something. Otherwise, he wouldn't even put the effort in to breaking up the soil, tearing out the rocks, roots, weeds. When at the time of planting, a seed is so tiny, even if it's a big seed, like an acorn squash or a cantaloupe seeds, they're bigger seeds than like you can't even see an oregano seed. Ask me how I know, (laughs) but you can't even compare the size of the seed to the growth that it will go through and the final result. And think about even further that when you take a seed, you've got some tomatoes over there. You take the seed out and lay it down. Everything is in that seed that produces the sapling or when it germinates, the little sapling, And then it produces the plant, and then it produces the leaves, and then finally the roots get bigger, and the blooms come on, and finally you've got the fruit. All of that is in that seed. And it's in every seed. And then every time you plant the seed and you get the sapling and and it grows up, and then there's a tomato on the thing that grew from the seed you planted, that tomato now take a seed and you put it and this goes on and on Mm -hmm. and on and in when you compare that to believers that's how we germinate that's how we go from generation to generation the seed is put in the work the the fields are tilled the seeds are planted the maturity happens and then it goes on and on and on and that's why we're here thanks to the tilling and the planting and the growing and the harvesting and the continued soil preparation by those that went before us. We might not have mm-hmm. even known who it was, but it goes back as far as the New Testament church. We know that. Mm-hmm. Their efforts then are still producing what we are seeing that's coming on now, the revival, the healings, the, what you know, what is it? Mm-hmm. All these signs shall follow them that believe. mm mm-hmm. In, you know, like all of these tomatoes will follow this one seed I plant, and it's just going to go on and on. If anybody just doesn't trample the whole plant and forget about it, that's going to go on and on and on. It has the potential to go on forever. But we have to remember too that it's grace that ensures the crop. We know it will spring up because the word says, I love this first the blade, then the ear. And then the full corn in the ear. So Jesus even talked about that with just an ear of corn. It starts with just a little blade coming up out of the ground from a seed. It's the nature of things. It's the nature of his creation. And we know it'll grow because God is careful to till the ground and sow the ground and plant that seed that so important to him that even though we were wasted and barren and fruitless he saw enough worth in that barrenness to get down you'll get down on your hands and knees to work around i Mm -hmm. promise you and get hands dirty and pick out man that takes time but when he sees the end result because we know he does we're worth it even in that state so if you feel like you're part of tilling, planting, sowing, cross plowing, wherever you're at in the situation because this goes on. This is not just a, okay, we're going to get saved and we're good. That's not how this works. The Bible says that it's precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, and so it goes. We are never done learning and maturing and, and just knowing what God wants from us because That might change, you know, 5, years, 2 weeks from now. We don't know. But we know we can trust the master husbandman that is so close to barren land that that we're worth the effort on his part. And his grace is sufficient. His strength is perfect in weakness. Mm -hmm. And like the master gardener that he is, He will never forsake a seed or the soil he plants it into. And I just thank God for it. Well, that's all I have for today. So if anybody needs to pray, well, we'll hang out and pray. Otherwise, I just thank God and pray that he goes with us this week and and carries us out. Jimmy, would you just pray for us to close up?
0: Well, gracious Lord, we come to you again and thank thank you you again for... Thank the you, opportunity Jesus. to gather, Lord. And, yes. and we just thank you, Lord, that Amen. whoever we are, we're yes. we're welcome Jesus. to come as we are, Lord. Yes. And, God, and you, you as being that husbandman Jesus. and that master gardener, Lord, oh, you will worship. prune and and water and yes. and grow us up to be what you would thank have you, us God. to be in thank your kingdom, you, Lord. Mighty God, I thank you mm. for this message that we have received, Hallelujah. Lord, today, Hallelujah. Lord God. I ask you, Lord, to to bless your people, Lord God, yes, and, Jesus. and Lord, we ask you to return our pastor and his wife home safely yes, this home. evening, Lord, Thank mighty you, Lord. God. And we just ask you, Lord, to to yes, be with Jesus. us through the week, Lord, Thank and, you, Lord, and guide us and guard us and be the light on our path, Thank Lord you, Jesus. Jesus. And we just ask it all Help. in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes, Amen and Amen. amen.
2: amen.